Amen. Well, good morning. You guys doing okay this morning? Good. Well, last week, Pastor Mark came up and gave us a great message on what a real man looks like. Uh, he talked about David, the life of David. And uh, the world describes a man as the rugged man, the man with power and authority, you know, the tough guy, the man with physical strength, the man who doesn't cry, the wealthy, you know, handsome, sexual man. And we looked at how David, the life of David, he encompassed all those things, that he was the real man. But then at the end of his life, he looks and he says, you know what, this isn't what, and none of that mattered. That a real man, you know, does not waver on the issues of morality and righteousness. A real man walks with God, follows God, and lives out a heritage. And so last week, we got to talk about a real man in David. And this week, we get to talk about the perfect man. And that's Jesus. And we're gonna follow his footsteps all the way to the cross. And so we're gonna have a short message and then I'm gonna give everybody an opportunity to go through the Passion Week experience and go through the stations of the cross. I think it's gonna be a powerful morning of reflection for each of us. And you know, when I think about, you know, the title of this message is Real Men Experience Suffering. And when I think about Jesus, and when I think about all that, he went through for my sins so that I could be in relationship with him. It's tough. It's tough, isn't it? But it's necessary. And for each of this morning, each of us this morning, we're gonna go through that journey together. And before we do that, uh, I want us to start by looking back at Palm Sunday. Last Sunday was Palm Sunday. That's one of the events that leads up to Christ's death. Before that, he would not let anybody crown him as king. Uh, as you know, he was dodging everybody. He would leave towns and villages just so they wouldn't crown him king. But he knew on Palm Sunday that when he came down uh, riding on a donkey that people would know that he's the king, that he's the reigning king, that he's the Messiah. And he knew at that time that he was signing a death sentence. And so if we look in Matthew chapter 21, verses four through nine, it says this, this took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on the, a donkey's colt. And the two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt and he sat on it. Most people, the crowd, most of the crowd spread garments on the road ahead of him. Others cut branches from the trees and spread them out on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession and the people all around him were shouting, praise God for the son of David, blessing on the one who comes in the name of the Lord, praise God in the highest heaven. So they're excited because at the time, the Jewish needed a king, they needed a reigning king, they needed the Messiah, and they believed that Jesus was going to free them from Roman oppression. And so they, they were in desperate need of a king. But when Jesus didn't turn out to be the king that they expected, instead of sitting on a throne, they're nailing him on a cross. Instead of putting a gold crown on his head, they're giving him a crown of thorns. Instead of yelling, Hosanna, praise God in the highest, they're yelling, crucify him. And if you look at what palm branches signify in God's word, 
they signify blessing, health, and wealth. And when he didn't come to bring those things, when he didn't come to free them from oppression, he was no longer the king that they expected. And I know it's easy to cast judgment on them and think how could they do something so terrible to someone so humble and someone who was so kind and went around healing people. But we can make this same mistake in our own life. When we go through times of suffering, when Jesus doesn't turn out to be the king that we expected, it's easy to instead of bringing him palms, we bring him thorns. If you've ever experienced real suffering in your life, you know exactly how this feels. You know exactly what it's like. And you're not, you know, so this is the way that the world describes blessing as health, wealth, prosperity, all of those things. But Jesus didn't embody those things. That wasn't what he would describe as a real man. He experienced suffering. And if you look at his life, Think about this. When Jesus went through excruciating torture, suffering, did the blessing of God leave him? Have you ever thought about that? Did the blessing of God leave Jesus in the time where he's suffering? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Jesus was blessed the entire time. God's presence was with him each step of the way. He was in the perfect will of God. In every way, God's blessing had not left him. And for us, when we go through times of suffering, God's blessing is there. You are blessed when you experience suffering. God is with you each step of the way. Blessing is not health, wealth, and prosperity. Blessing is having the presence of God anytime you go through difficult times of suffering. My family and I went through a very difficult season. Uh, the last couple of years have been really rough. Um, you guys knew this, probably some of you, that I was the high school pastor here for uh, six years. I was on staff at Second for almost eight years, and we chased a dream to go. We were following God. Uh, to go plant a church. We were excited about the dream that God had laid on our hearts. And we packed up our family and we moved across states and moved out west. And we got out there and everything was going exactly as planned. We got to team up with a passionate group of people who loved Jesus and we we're building a church and everything was going great. And then in one week, a storm hit. And it was a series of events that were out of my control and all of a sudden, Satan was wreaking havoc in our lives. And there was devastation. Relationships were ruined. We packed up everything. We had to sell a house that we had bought a month before. We lost thousands and thousands of dollars. We ended up further in debt. Um, I had no option. Didn't have a job. I didn't, you know, what I was gonna do next. I'd been in ministry my entire life, but I couldn't enter back into pastoral ministry because my heart was broken and I wasn't healthy. And so I couldn't just enter back into the field that I'd always known. And we moved back to Dallas. I had to move in with my in-laws. We lived there for six months and I slept in the same room as my kids, my wife and I, 
we slept in the same room as our two of our kids. Um, and that was really difficult, really difficult on our marriage, really difficult spiritually for me going through these things. And I remember at one point going door to door and knocking just to make a living for my family. I remember what it felt like to not make any money and come home and feel like a failure. And in those moments, I would have these times where I would just break down before the Lord and I would start crying out to him, God, where are you in this moment? Why, why God, why, why are you allowing me to go through this? This is not blessing. This is not what I, you had pictured for my life, what I believed that you were gonna do in my life. This didn't work out the way I'd hoped. Those are tough questions, tough things. It's a tough moment to be in, in the times of suffering. And many of you have been there, either through a time where your, your health was being tested and you were suffering in the hospital. Maybe it's going through divorce, bankruptcy, losing a job, losing a loved one, whatever it is. We've all been through these times of suffering. The good news is Jesus understands. He understands. We have a king, we have a savior who gets it. He knows what it is to suffer. And I remember when I was in the deepest, darkest pit, those times where I was suffering the most, that's where I would find Jesus. And I thought about this. Jesus, the reason he was with me in the bottom of the pit is because he earned the right to be. Think about that. He wasn't a God that just experienced nothing but health, wealth, and prosperity. He's a God who experienced suffering. And Jesus knew what it was to suffer, so he earned the right. He knew what it was like to look at me and say, Patrick, I know. I know what you're going through. I get it. I understand. And that was powerful moments to see Jesus at the bottom of the pit with me. And there are three important stages that Jesus went through in his time of suffering. And as real men, when we go through times of suffering, we experience these same, these same stages. The first is the prayer. And we see it in Luke 21, 41. In Luke 22, 41, it says, he walked away about a stone's throw and he knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him and he prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. Agonizing pain. In that moment he's saying, God, if there's any way, any way that you can take this away, if there's any other way to do this, can that happen? And although that he knew the answer was gonna be no, God in that moment came and strengthened him and he said, not my will, but yours be done. And then Jesus went through the death and we see him on the cross saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we in those moments can go through the exact same thing. We question God, why God? Why am I going through this? Why am I experiencing this? 
and Jesus knows exactly what that looks like. In that time of darkness, I believe he was taking on the sins of the world. His divine side was perfectly connected to God, but it was his human side that was feeling the pain and the loss. But all of us hit that moment where we say, not my will, God, but yours be done. And I remember after the, you know I was trying to get through this season and I was reflecting back and I was still frustrated with God and asking him why. And I remember this interaction that I had with the Holy Spirit and I remember God saying, Patrick, what is good? And I thought about it for a minute and I thought about this in the context of everything I'd been through. And I said, God, what would have been good is if I were still planning that church, if I was still healthy, if I wasn't in depression, if I wasn't suffering, if my family was still prospering, if we weren't living with family, if my kids had their own room and I had my own room, if my marriage was healthy, that was what would have been good. And I remember God asking the question again with more patience and mercy and grace in his voice. Patrick, what is good? And my response was, God, you're good. You're the only thing that's good. And I remember him saying to my spirit, he said, Patrick, if all of this brought you one step closer to me, then it was worth it. And that's right. That's all I've ever prayed is, God, I just wanna be closer to you. I wanna know you more. I wanna experience your blessing. And blessing sometimes can look like suffering and real men experience suffering. So Jesus went through the prayer, the death, and then he experienced the resurrection. And if you look at Jesus' scars when he's resurrected, God did not take away sources of deep pain. In fact, in that moment, he used them as symbols. Symbols of suffering, symbols of his love and his grace and the holes in his hands. So God didn't take that away, but he transformed it. And that's what he does in us. He resurrects our lives. God never believes what belongs to him in ruins. He's a God of life, of restoration, and he is forever building our lives. Our circumstances should not affect our perspective on what being blessed is. That even in times of suffering, you're blessed, I'm blessed. Because we have the presence of God walking us through each step of the way. And I wanna ask you a couple of questions this morning. Is there any area of your life where your will needs to die so that God's may come alive? When Jesus isn't the king that you expected, will you bring him palms or will you bring him thorns? You guys bow your heads and close your eyes. For a moment, I just want to create some space between you and God. Don't think about what you have to do the rest of the day, just focus on his presence right now, your heart connecting with his. And I want you to ask God, what are you saying to me this morning? And I want you to ask God, God, 
is there any area of my life where my will needs to die so that yours can come alive? God, I thank you for each man that's in this room. Lord, I know that some of these men have been through a lot, either in the past, they're walking through it right now, or you may be preparing their heart to walk through it in the future. And God, I pray that they would see your hand of blessing each step of the way, that they would not just define blessing as health, wealth, and prosperity, but they would understand that they are blessed even in the midst of their suffering. God, that your presence is with them each step of the way, that they will never walk alone, that they'll always have you with them by their side, strengthening them, just as the angels strengthen Jesus. And God, I pray today that as we go through the stations of the cross and as we see all that you've done for us, God, I pray that it would impact our lives in such a way that we would live for you every single breath, every single moment of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.